Um, well, hello again. Good to see you again. Breaking news for you. It's July 17th. Okay, now, I know you're wondering what is the relevance to that statement. Well, for one, ladies and gentlemen, it is National Ice Cream Day. That is a true thing. It really is National Ice Cream Day, and this is when I surprise you all and say, so we have ice cream for everyone, but we don't. That's what I would say if we did, but we don't. Can you imagine the chaos that would happen if I just brought ice cream out for everyone? It would get everywhere. People would be complaining, I don't like this flavor. And then they're, oh, I'm lactose intolerant. Where's my soy-based ice treat? <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, in our day and age of fairness, I am a little offended. It's only National Ice Cream Day and not also Soy-Based Ice Treat Day because that just seems rude. And I'll be emailing the organizers later today. Uh, also, fun fact, July 17th is national. This is an actual event. It is Yellow, Yellow Pig Day. Has anyone ever heard of Yellow Pig Day? Yellow Pig Day is an actual event. Uh, it, it kind of originated in the 60s when a couple of math nerds at Princeton University began obsessively analyzing the number 17. True story. And, and they, 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 they dreamed up this crazy yellow pig with 17 teeth and 17 toes. I'm not making this up. And it turned into a holiday. Many academic circles still celebrate Yellow Pig Day. Because a couple of math guys lost their mind. Super. Great. I like soy-based ice, ice treat day better than that. Uh, so that's today. It's July 17th. Three days ago was Shark Awareness Day. We're aware of sharks. So it worked. Good. Good on them. Uh, three days ago, also, that happened to coincide with National Nude Day, which, yeah, don't combine those two. Yesterday was National Fresh Spinach Day. Didn't celebrate it. I'll, I will celebrate Yellow Pig Day before I ever rejoice in spinach. Uh, this is something you can put on your calendar for the future 10 days from today is National Take Your Pants for a Walk Day. Which I think is code for just take a walk because your pants go where you go. Unless you're not wearing pants, that was three days ago, you missed the boat. <laughs> These are actual events on the calendar. You can look them up online. People know them, they, they remember them, they celebrate them. We celebrate some pretty weird things, don't we? We, we do. We celebrate some bizarre things. And I know that none of you probably had those events on your calendar, but I think even some of the days that we do celebrate are still kind of weird. Birthdays. Listen, I know everyone loves their birthday. Some people even have a birthday week. Don't. Don't have a... Don't. Just stop having a week. But I, I think it's weird that we celebrate birthdays. I, my birthday's next month. I turn 36 on August 19th. Get it on your calendar. It's a big day. <laughs> August, for the record, is also National Catfish Day, and also National Just Admit That You're Happy Month. It's August. Admit it. You're happy. Anyway, I'm going to celebrate my birthday again. Why? What did I do? Why, why are we celebrating? For the 36th time, what, what more is there left to say? Happy birthday. You did it. Still here. Like, you don't even have to accomplish anything. I could have been in a coma from last August 19th to this August 19th. People would still wish me a happy birthday. What, what did I do? It's, it's just a weird thing. It, happy birthday is a nice way of saying, 
you still stayed alive for another year. It's great. I think it's also weird we celebrate New Brunswick Day, right? 364 days out of the year, all people do is complain about New Brunswick. And the people who lead New Brunswick, New Brunswick's going downhill. Everyone hates New Brunswick. First Monday of August, woo, New Brunswick! <laughs> Whatever. Now, I will say, there are things we celebrate that are good and fun. Wedding anniversaries, I think we need to celebrate those better than we do. I think it is a big deal if you make it another year. That is no small task nowadays. That is not a small feat. You did it. You did it. So celebrate your wedding anniversary. That deserves it. I also think it's fun we celebrate babies. Every baby's a miracle. Have a party. I like that we celebrate graduations. That's fun. Way to go. You're going to university. You get some debt. Pay it off the rest of your life. Have a cake. All I'm saying is that we will celebrate weird things. We will celebrate unexpected things. We don't even need an excuse to celebrate. We will just end up eating cake and having a party for no weird reason at all. It's just yellow pig day. Yeah, get a DQ cake. Let's do it. It's, it's weird, but everyone likes to celebrate. Everyone likes to party, and, and we'll find any excuse we can to have one. So why is it then, church? that the group of people on the planet who have the best reason to celebrate are not known for the way that we do it. Why is it that when people think of church, they don't think of like a, a wild, fun, raucous occasion. It's loud, there's laughter, there's food, everyone's happy. It's here. Why is it that instead of thinking of that, they think of the opposite? They, they think of a, a somber, quiet Kind of dull time. Don't they? I think if I were to go on the street today and ask 100 people downtown, give me one word, first word that pops into your mind when you think of church, guaranteed half of them say boring. True? Isn't that what some of your friends say? Some of your family, you go to church, really? Man, the people who have the best reason to celebrate should be the best at celebrating. That's what I think. We should be way better at celebrating. But instead, people think of the, the, shh, you're in church. Don't laugh, you're in church. Set up, be quiet, you're in church. Now, don't get me wrong, there are times, absolutely, when church, that the holiness and reverence of God demands a quiet, introspective moment. Absolutely. I, I'm not saying it's a wild party all the time, but I'm also saying it shouldn't be a funeral all the time. Good Friday was followed up by Easter Sunday. We've got reason to be happy. And we should do it well. Joy and laughter are not in contradiction to holiness and reverence. It is a both and. The church should look like that. We should get that right. So we're in week two of a series that we're in called Life Hacks. And, and a life hack like you just saw are just these weird little tips and tricks that you can incorporate into your life to maybe make it easier or better or more effective. The word we're using is gooder. And so what we're trying to do is say there are things in your walk with Jesus that you can do that'll make your, your journey kind of with him more effective. And, and, and it'll help you grow more and be more engaging. Last week, Jamie talked about journaling. And there's a biblical theme from Genesis to Revelation where God says, remember. 
Remember what I did for you? You should look back on that. And, and when you remember, it builds your faith and you grow and you're encouraged. We actually gave out journals to everyone so that you can actually start doing this. It's really effective. We have a bunch of these in the lobby. Um, you should go grab one. Take notes. Here's the celebrate page. It's empty because we haven't done it yet. But you can fill this up. Um, so journaling, it's a good life hack. Well, today, our life hack is celebrating. I think we need to reintegrate laughter into the church. I think we need to reintegrate joy and fun into our services and into our lives and what that looks like, even for us personally. The world does not have anything better than Jesus to celebrate, so they shouldn't be better at celebrating than we are. We should set the standard for celebrating. We, we should be the ones that get it right. We should be the ones who do it best. Why does it look like the world is having more fun? They shouldn't be, right? It's time to replace, shh, you're in church. With, come sing louder, you're in church. Get a smile on, we're in church. And now, this isn't just my opinion, right? I don't, some of you are sitting there going, oh, now settle down, Mark. Let's not get carried away. Right? No, this, this, isn't, this is not my opinion. This is what the Bible teaches us from beginning to end. It's all through Scripture. And so I want to talk about today the biblical command that is on all of us as God's people to celebrate and to celebrate well and what it looks like in our lives and how we can do it and what that will do for your faith. And so we're, we're going to party this morning for a few minutes. Are you okay with that? You all right? See, this is why we have to get better. All right, we're going to be all through Scripture. Some of them are back there. Some of them probably aren't. Um, but we're going to be in Exodus 12 to start with, if you've got your Bibles. And <clears throat> Exodus 12 is, is the night before God is leading all of his people out of slavery. They've been in Egypt. They have been slaves for hundreds of years. And this is the last miracle. This is called Passover. When the Spirit of God is going to kind of go over all of Egypt, and, and if you've got the blood on your door, he will pass over your home. But if not, someone in your family is going to die. Okay, so this is right before that happens. God says this, Exodus 12, 14. This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. He hasn't even done anything yet. It hasn't even happened yet. He's like, get it on the calendar. This is a big one. I don't want you to forget this. Set your reminders because we're going to party for generation after generation after generation because I'm about to do something awesome. It goes on in verse 40. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him. And it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. But did you catch how he wanted it to be commemorated? He said, celebrate it. He said, I want you to have a special festival. This is going to be a good time. This is not boring lectures. This is not going to be an awful slideshow. This is not something you need to put a tie on and drag your kids there kicking and screaming. It's going to be a party. Because I just did something awesome. What else would you do the day after you're freed from 400 years of slavery? 
wouldn't she party just a little bit? Wouldn't she put on your dancing sandals, right? You'd put on your joy pants. That's what she would do, and you would party. And I love that God mandates it. He says, this is a law. He says, yeah, I am, I'm actually writing a law in the rule book, have a party every year. He said, I want you to do this, right? And, and there are people out there who think like, we got to fight for our right to party, right? Like, and, and no, God's like, no, I actually literally wrote it into my people's rule book. We don't have to fight for it. I'm making them. I want you to celebrate. This should be a trademark of my people. And so they, they do. Numbers 28, 16, here's another one. It says, on the 14th day of the first month, you must celebrate the Lord's Passover. It's what we just talked about. But on the following day, the 15th day of the month, a joyous seven-day festival will begin. That no bread made with yeast may be eaten. So it's a gluten-free festival. It's still, it can still be fun. It can still be good. But do you, you catch what just happened? They just had a party, and then they're like, you know what? The day after the party, we should have another one. It should be a week long. It's going to be joyful. Right? It's, it's like when Christmas is over, and, and you're sitting in your house eating leftovers thinking, I don't want to go back to work. We should do this again. God's like, yeah, we should do it again. I know you just had a party. Let's wrap it up with the week-long party. He says, we want to celebrate. Let's do this. And on the 25th, uh, the 25th verse, it says, so the seventh day of that festival will be another official day for holy assembly, and no ordinary work may be done on that day. They get a holiday after the holiday. He says, I want you guys to do this. I want you to celebrate. I want you to know that this is what my people do. It's called the Feast of Weeks. In fact, if you turn to Leviticus 23, that whole chapter is just festival after festival after festival. It just describes them all and when they happen and what they do. Uh, so after the two we just covered, verse 9 of Leviticus 23, then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I am giving you and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. And, and this is a festival, this is a big one for us, because this is the festival that lays the groundwork for giving your tithe and your offering. This is where it all starts, back in Leviticus 23. God says, I brought you into a brand new land, it is going to be rich with milk and honey, you're going to have everything you need, but I want you to trust me, so out of your first harvest, bring me your best and make an offering to me. That's what we still do. We bring God our first and our best, and we say, I'm trusting you with this. And I know that you're going to take care of me. It all goes back to this. But here's the thing. It was a celebration. This was a day off. They partied because they got to give to God. Right? The offering and the tithe still to this day should be a celebration. We, we should still be happy that we get to give. You don't have to give. You shouldn't give reluctantly. The, the offering buckets going by, you shouldn't be like, oh, here goes some money. Back in Leviticus 23, it was a holiday. Like, woo, I had to give God my best. This is awesome. But that's why we're still trying to tie your, your tithes and your offerings to worship. Because it's still an act of worship. And in fact, Paul wrote hundreds of years later, God loves a cheerful giver. You should be celebrating that you get to give to God. Um, here's another one. Leviticus 23 goes on now to the festival of trumpets, which is literally what it sounds like. Verse 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. On the first day of the appointed month in early autumn, you are to observe a day of complete rest. It'll be official day for Holy Assembly, a day commemorated with loud blasts of a trumpet. You must do no ordinary work on that day. Instead, you are to present more special gifts to the Lord. So literally, on this day, everyone's just going to sit down. We're just going to relax. Some guy is going to do a trumpet solo. It's fine. And that's it. That's, that's the whole day. Like, why is some guy playing, like, the brass section, right? It doesn't matter. It's Festival of Trumpets. Just relax. It's just a day off. Just take it. Be happy. You get to give, you get to, give to God again. From there, they went on to the Day of Atonement, which was another holiday, no work. From there, they went on to the Festival of Shelters. And this one was a full week long. In fact, people talk about this one like it was the most joyful. This was the funnest. I don't know if that's a word. It was the funnest of all the festivals. Here's why. It says, verse 40. On the first day, gather branches from magnificent trees. Palm fronds, boughs from leafy trees, willows that grow by the streams, then celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days. It was the most fun because they got to play with sticks for a week, right? As every boy's drag grew, I did this till I was like 12, 36 years old, running around playing with sticks in the woods. It's the best, except here's why they collected them. Verse 42 says, for seven days, you must live outside in little shelters, All native-born Israelites must live in shelters. This will remind each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So they collected these sticks, and they built little huts out of them. And they camped for a week and partied. I think this is the best one. It's like, we're going to celebrate all week long. Go make a cute little hut. And we're just going to eat food, and we're going to camp. It's going to be really good. That's, that's literally, God mandates it. This is law. Festival of shelters. That's good times. They ate food. They celebrated. They laughed. They worshiped together. Right? These, these are not lame holidays. This is not yellow pig day. This is, this is God ordered a week-long party in little huts. I like it. I like it. We don't talk about this enough. God's people always had plenty of celebrations. God's people always had plenty to celebrate. We still do. We still do have plenty to celebrate. And and these were ordained by God, written into their law, celebrated every year just the way they were supposed to be, year in and year out. They lived with an expectation of celebration. And they knew when this one ended, another one's coming. And, And they looked forward to it. It was an expectation of celebration. And I think God's people, maybe we've lost that along the way just a little bit. Right? We, we need to reintegrate, again, celebration back into our lives and back into the church. Celebration played a key role in God's people. All throughout their history, from Old Testament into the New Testament, on purpose, God designed it this way. And, and so there's a few reasons for this, and I want to talk about why we celebrate. And the first one is this. If you don't celebrate, eventually you will forget. And, and this ties back to what Jamie talked about last week. In a lot of ways, this is a, a direct sequel to last week. Celebrating helps us remember. Remember that time God brought us out of slavery? That was awesome. We should party. 
Remember that time God made it rain food when we were starving? That's awesome. We, we, we should have a party. Remember that time that God protected us when we were homeless? We should probably have a party about that. It helps you remember all of the things that God has done for you so that you don't forget them. Because here's what happens when you forget. The good news becomes old news. And you forget just how good he is. And you forget all of the things that he's done for you. I don't ever want to forget all of the things God has done for me. I don't ever want to take it for granted. I don't ever want to look back and be like, oh, right, he really, he was here and this and this and this and this. Celebrating helps us remember. And, and if you forget and if you don't, you know what happens is that you will live in perpetual dissatisfaction. Because instead of going, thank you, God, for all you've done for me, it turns into, well, what have you done for me lately? Where were you last week when I said that prayer? And how come you're not taking care of me today? And why did I get sick? And, and you start to get a, a selfish, unfocused relationship with Jesus because you've forgotten everything that he's done. It's like you can't do that, so celebrate. God, where were you? Well, it starts counting to a million. I did this, and I did that, and I did this. Here's 400 things I did last week you didn't even know about. So we celebrate to remember. God knows we have a tendency to forget. That's why he wrote it into their law. Why else would he mandate it? Every year, do this. From generation to generation. Because you know what happens after a couple of generations? Old news. And he says, I don't want my people to ever forget what I did for them. And the same goes for us. We don't want to ever forget what God has done for us. Even if it was years ago, he's still the same God. And he's still good, and he's still going to do it for you coming into the future. And, and here's what I've discovered, is that the people who seem to be right in the middle of what God is doing are the same people who don't fail to remember what God has done. It's the people who, who rejoice and celebrate because they know what God has done in their life, and, and those people are the people who are strong and full of joy because they're trusting that he's still going to do it into the future. This is the God I've worshipped. I know who he is and what he does. And so that gives me hope for what's next week, next month, next year. Which is another reason to celebrate. It grows your faith. Celebration is strengthening. It gives you the ability to look back and say, that's where I was, but here's where I am now. Do you see everything that happened in between? Do you see the way that God has changed me and used me all along? Every step of the way is another reason to celebrate. You need to look back. Look, look, like, looking back sometimes is hilarious, isn't it? Like, you look back at your pictures from 15 years ago, or throwback Thursday when people put them online. There are some great pictures. We love to look back. It's funny. You think of some of the music you listened to, like, 20 years ago? Except the 90s grunge scene. It's still the best. But it's great to look back because you can see how far you've come and the challenges that you faced and the way God led you through them and how that made you into the person that you are today. I'm stronger, wiser, better, and more growing and more grown in my faith than I was way back here because this happened and this happened and this happened and God did that for me every step of the way. Celebration then is strengthening your faith. It, it helps you grow. Right? It's a way of celebrating the baby steps. You should celebrate the baby steps. Don't just wait till you get to the end to celebrate. Celebrate all along the journey. 
right? Don't just wait. This is a great reminder to all Christians. Don't just celebrate because someday we're going to get to heaven. Celebrate every step of the way, right? One of my favorite authors is a guy named Philip Yancey. He wrote this, some of us seem so anxious about avoiding hell that we forget to celebrate our journey toward heaven, right? These days are a gift. I know we live in hard days. I know the news is bleak, but you know what? We still have reason to celebrate. In fact, of any time, right now is when the world is looking for a reason to celebrate. And we need to be showing it to them. So celebrate every step of the way, every journey that you take. God modeled this for us, right? When he, when he made creation, it took him seven days, but he didn't wait until the seventh day to celebrate, did he? No, no, no. Day one, that's good. You see what I did? That was awesome. Day two, done? That's still pretty good. I'm great at this. Day three, oh, this one's really good. Things are starting to fill in now. Day four, it's very good. God, do you see what I'm doing here? This is great. Right? He, every step of the way, he celebrated, and it was good. When he got to the very end, he's like, this is awesome. Day off for everyone. But he didn't wait till the end to celebrate every step of the way. You need to celebrate your baby steps. Do you remember the day that you got saved? You should celebrate that every year. You should think back to that day, the day that you got baptized. You should celebrate that. When God brings you through a hard season, celebrate that. When God answers a prayer, celebrate that. Give him praise. It, It strengthens your faith. It's good for you. Those are landmark events. We do this for everything else. We celebrate baby steps, literally baby steps. Right? Taking a step, not a big deal. No one cheers me on. You take a thousand or five or ten a day. The only person who cheers me on is my Fitbit. He's got my back. It's very encouraging. Right? No one celebrates that you take steps, but your first steps, oh, people celebrated. And you watch that baby take their first steps, and everyone's like, woo, yeah! Why? Because it represents another stage of growth. It got them to another place, and someday they'll look back on that video and think, oh, I've come a decent way. Look at how far I've grown along the way. You should celebrate your baby steps. That's why when people start going on a weight loss journey or working out, they always say, first step, take a before picture. So that along the journey, when you start to get discouraged and when you start to think this is not working, you can look back and say, oh, I guess I have actually come a decent way. You need to celebrate the baby steps all along the way. I guess I was kind of getting somewhere. So don't be discouraged if you think you're slowly growing in your faith. Don't be discouraged that you only made it this far. I'm still not where I want to be or where I should be. Celebrate where you are because it's not where you were. And God brought you every step of the way. Celebrate it. Don't just wait for the finish line. I would guess again that the Christians who celebrate regularly are the ones who are growing rapidly because they know all that God has done in their lives. And I think sometimes we've swung the pendulum really too far on the other side for the church, where we make church all about correction and discipline and not enough about celebration and rejoicing. Um, It's not good when the church only has very minimal celebration, because here's the thing. Not only do we not grow, but the opposite happens. If you go to a church that only says you're doing terribly, smarten up, and you get a finger wag, like not only are you not going to grow, some people are just going to walk away. If you have all correction and no celebration, it's going to kill your faith. 
You, you can't do it. You, we've got to have a good balance, right? Too much correction and not enough celebration is going to lead to stifled growth. But the other side is true. And if you only ever have celebration without correction, you're not going to grow either. Right? I just want everything handed to you all the time. Celebrate me. I didn't do anything, but woo! It's like when little Johnny goes 0 for 7 and makes 14 errors, and they're like, participation ribbon, you're awesome. No, he's not. He's terrible at baseball. And the more that you keep encouraging, the more he's going to play, and someday the truth is going to dawn on him. It's going to be awful. No, you can't just celebrate unless you've also made some kind of correction and sacrifice along the way. You've got to have a balance. We need to get this right in the church. Sometimes I think we're way too far on the way of correction. and We have way too little celebration. It stifles our growth. You've got to celebrate. You've got to rejoice. A great example of this is found in the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a guy who was put in charge of a very specific task. God's people had been exiled from their hometown. Their temple was destroyed. The wall around the city was destroyed. It was hard, depressing, sad days. But then God leads them back home. And they go back and they rebuild the temple. And everyone's getting excited. And Nehemiah's job was to rebuild the wall all around the city. And, and it was more than just a construction project. It was a redemption project. It was a way of saying, God has brought us back and rescued us. Let's rebuild and let's start over again. And, and he, through so many trials and difficulties and challenges, they rebuild that entire wall in 52 days. Right, this is, this is pre-Home Depot. Right? They're cutting stones, building a wall. It's super high. It's around an entire city by hand. They're not calling up their friend to rent a bulldozer. They're just doing it by hand. 52 days they rebuild that thing. It is hard work. It is sacrifice. It is blood, sweat, and tears. They had to put the work in, but you know how they wrap it all up? So they celebrate. They celebrate. Here's what Nehemiah says, verse 9. Says then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. Share gifts with food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Did you catch that? It was a sacred day. Go celebrate. They are not opposites. It is not either or. It is both and. You can still celebrate when he's holy. You can still laugh when he's reverent. You can have both of them in the same service. And so they have this party. It's an emotional time. And, and really, they do exactly what we just talked about in that order. Remember what God has done and got us to this day, so let's celebrate it, and as we celebrate, that joy will be our strength. You celebrate, and you grow. Remember, celebrate, and grow. That's how it works. And who doesn't want to hear it? Go eat rich foods. Just go eat it. Go party. Go have some sweet drinks. It's awesome. You don't have to convince anyone to go to that. Right? They didn't have to beg people to show up at that party. 
They, they just went for it. And, and that's the point, church. We have the absolute greatest reason to celebrate. And the way that we celebrate, the way that we worship, the way that we live, the way that we do life together, it should look so appealing that you shouldn't have to beg people to come with you. They should want to show up for it anyway. You don't have to convince someone to come to an awesome party. They're going to be going, how do I get to that party? And when you celebrate well, a crowd is going to show up. That's what happened to Nehemiah. It should look so appealing. A good celebration draws a crowd. And no celebration shrinks it. Your life should make more people want to follow Jesus, not, not run from him. The way that we do church should make more people want to show up and find out what in the world's going on in this place, not be repelled or repulsed by it. We need to learn how to celebrate again. When, when people think of Christians, I want them not to think of boring, right? And that's on us, right? Because that's been their experience. They're not wrong in saying we're boring because that's what they've known, right? Let's be the generation that fixes that. I, when, when people, hey, what do you think when you think about Jesus in church? I want them to be like, that's awesome, exciting, life-changing, miraculous. I, I want them to think laughter. I, I hope the words that come to mind when you think about Crosspoint is not, oh, boring. I hope not. We're failing miserably if that's the case. I want this to be a place of celebration. I want this to be a place where we party and we party right because we remember how good he's been. And we can celebrate that. And when we do, church, the joy of the Lord will be our strength. So joyful people are the ones growing. Joyful people are the ones being strengthened. And, and if we do this right, man, we're going to draw a crowd. People are going to show up. What's going on here? There will be days you don't feel like it. That's okay. Right? There will be days that are absolutely for mourning and grieving, but I want you to know even in those days, there is still a reason to celebrate. That we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We even mourn differently because of the joy that we have in the Lord. Every day is a celebration. In fact, the Bible tells us every day there's reason to celebrate because the Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. So we will rejoice and be glad. So be glad! Right, we should be glad. It's another day. He gave us. You, you got out of bed with air in your lungs. You did it. That's why we celebrate birthdays. You're still here. Every day there's reason to celebrate, church. So let's do this well. You, have, you don't have to wait for National Ice Cream Day to celebrate. Jesus is a good enough reason. You don't need a special occasion to eat cake. Hit up DQ on your way home. Get an ice cream cake. Well, do you want anything written on it? Yeah, God is good. We're going to have cake. You eating cake again? Yeah, amen. God is good. You don't need an excuse to get together with friends and eat good food and laugh your heads off. God is good. Celebrate. Church, we need to do this. This is the day the Lord has made. In fact, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 10.31, and this is what we close with. He says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Do it well. Let's celebrate well. Let's laugh more. Let's rejoice better. Let's worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen.